everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Impactful Authenticity Podcast. My name is Lucy, and I'm really, really excited today to welcome Jen Cords on the show. Now, Jen is the Chief Technical Officer for Abner, and Jen is leading the digital transformation of two decades of professional service methodology into a generative AI-enabled platform to digitize strategic relationship identification, nurturing, development, and capitalization. Wow. I'm I'm impressed with myself for being able to say that in one sentence. So excited, Jen, to dig more into that. But also on top of her role as a CTO, she also currently serves on two nonprofit boards, lending her expertise to various environmental and sustainability initiatives. And Jen is also the captain of the United States women's fly fishing team. Wow, wow, wow. So firstly, Jen, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lucy, for having me. It's great to be here. And I guess the first thing is just, you know, how would you describe your journey with authenticity sort of through your career? I think everyone throughout their their life is going to grow and evolve as I mean just as people that's what we do. And so there's seasons to your career and there's seasons to your life and trying to maintain some level of authenticity through all of it allows that to be a seamless journey. And so like early early stages when you're in university or you're just getting out on your own, you're figuring things out, you're figuring out who you are as your own entity uh, beyond who you are as a son or a daughter or a student, anything like that. And so Finding what you're passionate about is really important in this journey of authenticity and being willing to stand up for what your core beliefs are, figure out what those core beliefs are and then stick to them and ensure that they are the guiding light to everything else that you do. So one of the things that I've always been really passionate about is the outdoors and protecting our resources. And that's, it's been a passion of mine since I was a kid. And that has led me to getting more involved with my fly fishing. And it's led me to being on boards and helping advise other people and advise organizations on how they can be better stewards of their environment and of their communities. And so sticking to those core values that I hold near and dear is really important to the to the authenticity Mm. journey. Did you find that you knew about what your sort of core values and core beliefs were quite early on or have they evolved and changed over time? Uh, I would say that they've changed and evolved in time just as I've experienced more and tried new things, had different conversations, be willing to have some of those harder conversations with people that have different views from you and entering in all of those situations and conversations with the intent of learning, not to prove that you're right, but ask the question of, can you help me understand why you believe that? Or help me see it from your perspective or just put yourself in the shoes of others helps you get that broader vision. And then you can then make a determination that new information that I now have, does that fit with what I already believed? Do I need to modify what I believe or are they completely wrong? I'll still respect them, but (laughs) is it something that, no, I still feel very true to what I do and what I believe. Mm. 
and like with technology is is one of the things that also has evolved uh, and evolved my opinion. I've always been very tech minded. I've always been very curious. And as a kid, I mean, I took apart my dad's computer because I wanted to know how it worked. I didn't ask him to do it. He was gone at work and I was home during the summer and I just took a screwdriver and started taking it apart. And this was before like there was the how-to videos on YouTube and everything else. (laughs) And so it was just, I was curious and I wanted to know. And, And like, it's this cool thing that poke a button and it comes to life and you can interact with it. Like what, what is it? And so it's that curiosity that also kind of drives your authenticity journey. And it just d- drives discovery of who you truly are is if you're just continually curious and not afraid to, I don't want to say look bad, but be the beginner. And so, mm. and, and being that novice is really important to this journey and growing and experiencing more things. Because if you just stick to what you know, and you're, you're never going to step outside that comfort zone, you're not going to evolve into the, the person that you could be. So it's really important to be willing to be bad at anything and be the beginner and go ask the questions to learn from others. So what would be one of the experiences that you've had over your life and your career so far that you think has taught you some of the biggest lessons about who you are? Mm, Biggest lessons about who I am. I would say the experience I I was fortunate enough to work with a company that was very early stage. I was employee number 16 at a high growth startup in the tech space. And I mean the team was, I mean, I was 16. We quickly hired like 12 other people. By the time I actually met any of these people face-to-face, because it was a remote first company, pre, way pre-COVID, but like it was one of their core values was we're going to be fully remote so everybody can live the life that they want to, but contribute meaningfully to their work. And yeah, it was, it was a really cool company and a really cool concept because there wasn't even a headquarters. Like literally the headquarters address was the CEO's condo. Um, and so there was no office life, but there was a culture being built within that organization because Mm -hmm. we all bought into the values and we all bought into the vision and we all were willing to hold each other accountable. Um, but that experience of being early stage and helping grow and build the company, you start out and you're wearing a ton of hats. I was hired to do marketing and operations and that's, managing the systems and building lists and and creating campaigns and awareness and making sure all the technology on the back end seamlessly transfers information and also give product feedback into what we're selling and what people are buying. And so it's that whole feedback loop. But then as we grew, like I needed to hire other people because I couldn't continue wearing all those hats. And so I got to then help build out the rest of the marketing function. I helped build the BDR, the business development function that then fed the sales team and how does those two pieces interact together. What does the sales process really need to look like? And just growing and scaling that, we scaled it all the way from uh, Series A through their IPO. And so they're now a publicly traded company. And that experience and over those years just really showed me all the different facets of business and what goes into actually Mm. running a successful business basically from the ground up. Wow. And I'd love to get your take on sort of what it's like to be a really successful woman in this sector. And as you talk about that, is there any learning or was there any at times when you felt you couldn't 
be kind of authentic because of the space you were in? Yeah, I uh, looking at what I do, I have chosen a couple areas <laughs> of life that are, are generally male dominated. So the fly fishing or outdoors industry has always been really male dominated. Fly, uh, technology has also been really male dominated. And I think that comes from earlier generations, the men were more encouraged to go into the science, mathematics and technical type fields. And that is changing and evolving. At the same time, I know that more young girls are encouraged to not shy away from technology. A lot of times, I I mean, I remember when I was younger and not to date myself, but when I was younger, there was still sort of that mindset of, well, girls do these things and boys do those things. And Mm. if you were a girl that was really outdoorsy or whatnot, you were always classified as a tomboy instead of just you were a girl that liked being outdoors. Um, And so choosing fields that are very male dominated, it's one that you have to be, again, willing to be a minority and hold your space. And I, and what I mean by that is that you have to rely on the skills that you have and not try and be better than others, but contribute in a valuable way and use every interaction as one of those learning opportunities because the the men that are around you do know stuff, but also don't let them step over you or on you. And so it's it's one of those that hold have a voice and be willing to speak up and not in a way that's I don't want to say shrill because women often are are categorized as bitchy or shrill or, or just overbearing when they they try and put too much emphasis on I'm a woman and I should be here type mentality. It's more rely on your skills that are undeniable, Mm. become undeniable at what it is you do. And the gender thing will go away. The age will go away. Um, so back to like fly fishing specifically, I've been doing it since I was seven and as I've now gotten into the competition world, being good at that and being good at that skill, when you win competitions, sometimes it comes down to luck because you've gotten assigned a really great piece of water and you just found the fish and it just (laughs) blind for that day. But at the same time, knowing your skills, being a great uh, fly tire, being a great caster and like those things that contribute to your performance on the water, all of that is practiced off the water. And so take time to get good at those skills in the tech space, stay up to date on articles. If you're a programmer, learn additional programming languages, get certifications Mm. in those things, because then those credentials help bolster who you are and what you actually can do. And then it, it doesn't even become a question of who's the most, most authorized to have an opinion on this. It's, it, it, it would just show. And I mean, sometimes you'll still have those men who overlook you because you are a woman, but at the same time, like there are enough men and people in the industry now that are recognizing that women are just as good as others in this space. And they are looking for those skill sets that it's not because you're a woman, you have this role. It's because you have X, Y, Z skill, and you've been able to do these things that we want you on this team. And so it really comes down to being that just undeniable, skilled, valuable person and being a good team player and being flexible in what it is you do and how you do it and always want to learn. Don't try and be the smartest Mm. person in the room, contribute to the conversation in a meaningful, purposeful way. 
and people will want to continue to work with you. So I would I would say that's number one recommendation in any industry that has a yeah. more bias. And also like find your allies. I guess that would be the other point. Like I've had some really amazing coworkers and mentors and just people in the space that I've gotten to meet in my time in technology that I've been in like my best example is I've been in a meeting at that, at that early stage startup where it was a engineering conversation, like a computer engineering conversation. And that, that's what I went to school for. But that is not what my role was at the company. My role was marketing and operations. But my degree, my training was actually in computer engineering. And so I'm sitting in this engineering meeting. I think we're at this time like 50 employees. And we're talking about some technical functionality of the product. And I started to make a comment and contribute to the conversation. And I got talked over by one of the other engineers and the senior engineer that that I I had only interacted with once or twice. He saw me trying to, he heard me and saw me try and contribute to the conversation and then get cut off. And when the engineer who cut me off finished talking, he then interjected into the conversation. He's like, Jen had something to say, Jen, do you want to say something? And so he Mm -hmm. actually took the the time to notice and give me a space to contribute. And fortunately, what I had to say was actually meaningful to the conversation. It wasn't me just trying to feel important in this meeting. Um, But it's those moments when you can find those moments to contribute in a way Mm -hmm. that they will see you for the skills that you have are, is going to be really important. And you won't always get those opportunities, but finding those allies and, and, John has been uh, an amazing ally throughout my career. And I was recently trying to solve a, a machine learning problem with our current software that we're building. And I called him up. I hadn't talked to him or seen him in, in almost two years. And like we follow each other on social, but that's not really like engaging. Mm-hmm. But uh, I called him and I said, hey, I have a problem. Do you have time? Can you can you help me walk through this? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. And he spent 45 minutes, almost an hour with me talking through this sounding board on it. And then he introduced me to two other people that are like more knowledgeable in the space that I'm trying to solve that he's like, these people can actually help you solve the problem that you have. And so it's just nurturing those relationships and making sure that Mm. you're not burning bridges. Oh, what a beautiful, beautiful story. Really um, so insightful and so inspiring, Jen. Thank you so much. So many different bits and pieces to to pull from there. But I want to make sure that I ask you about the lovely story that you shared with me about fly fishing and leadership (laughs) and how these things are kind of connected and how they work. So would you mind just sharing that again now with the listeners? Because I was like, wow, yeah, this is really cool. Absolutely. I love, I love that you ask about that because it is, it is combining two of my passions. And so my business partner and I uh, have developed a program called Learning Expeditions. And the premise of it is it's a three-day excursion or expedition where we take senior executives and we put them out on the water in, in a fly fishing environment. And in the morning, I'll be teaching them fly fishing. And in the afternoon, we correlate those lessons on the river with leadership principles. And so where this came from is actually my, my business partner. He had never fly fished 
before at all. And about two years ago, we were sitting at dinner in New York with some clients. And I was talking about this trip that I had just finished on the Rogue River in Southern Oregon. And I was talking about this upcoming trip where I was taking some other clients of mine out fly fishing. And he he heard me talking about this. And the lady who I was talking to was just really engaged with it. And he he's like, okay, what is it going to take for you to uh, take me fly fishing. And I'm just like, well, I mean, and he basically invited himself on this client trip that I was taking in Colorado. And he's like, if I, if I come to Colorado, can I come? And I'm just like, yeah, sure. And I, I totally thought he was joking, but, uh, the week, the following week, he texts me, he's like, okay, I need details. Like, when do I need to fly in? Like, what do I need to bring? Like what's happening? And so I'm like, oh, okay. So, uh, he flew into Denver. I picked him up at the airport with my clients and we, we were out in Vail. And my clients were fly fishing clients. Like I've, I've been a guide for the last 10 years. And so these people I've known and, and trusted and worked with, and they come fishing with me every year. Um, and so David inviting himself on this trip was, it was unusual, but at the same time, it was, it was, uh, they rolled with it because they're just like, yeah, sure. Whatever. My clients are, are really cool, easygoing people. Um, and so David being there, it was, it was a lot of fun and he just blended with everybody well. Uh, but David had never fly fished before. And so I set up my clients and they're out on the river fly fishing. And, uh, I have David in a field to teach him casting. And the first couple casts, um, it, parachute cast where it just kind of crumples right in front of you. And so we finally got it going and he got a good cast and, and then uh, he beamed himself in the head with the fly. Um, and so we're standing in this field and he's casting and then he like hooks himself and then he hooks the tree and then he casts again and he beams himself in, in the head. But um, then we finally get him on the river. He doesn't catch fish this first trip out, but then I fly to Georgia for a fly fishing show and I take him again, with some other people out fly fishing in North Georgia, because I'd never fished in Georgia before. And we finally catch him, get him on a fish. And his first fish ever is a 26 inch rainbow, which is unheard of. Most people are catching like eight, 10 inch fish, if if that big, uh, their first couple times out. But yeah, he had an amazing experience. But one of the things that came from that is that the lessons that you learn on the river um, being present and asking good questions. And again, being willing to be bad at something like David had never been fly fishing before, but he was so interested in doing it. He's just like, I'm going to come out and I'm going to do it. And Mm -hmm. I mean, the first time out, he could have looked completely ridiculous and like, he didn't catch fish. He, I mean, he beamed himself in the head. He breached his waders, which means filled his waders with water because he accidentally filled in the river. Like the first time out was awful, but I mean, he loved it, but it was, it was one of those like, Oh my God, what else can go wrong? But then he stuck with it. And like, that's the thing is that he, he stuck with it and then he's learned it and he's now becoming a very self-sufficient angler. He's learning about bug entomology and how to fly tie. And we still go regularly out with groups um, to go fly fish, but all of these things are related to your leadership journey. And so when you first get into a leadership role, you don't quite know how to manage people when you're moving from an individual contributor position mm. to a leadership position. It's a different skill set. Like you have to be empathetic. You're not, you're no longer, it's not all the works on your shoulder. You have to learn how to trust. You have to learn how to delegate. You have to learn how to communicate effectively. And all of those things are. I mean, you think that they're inherent traits, but they're not. There's personalities, there's business dynamics, there's all of the things that come in. And so early leaders or even seasoned leaders, they may forget some of these fundamentals. And in the aspect of fly fishing, 
most anglers, you, it's a lifelong journey. Like you may have been fly fishing for forever. Like I have, but every time you go out on the water, you're always learning something new. And Mm -hmm. if you don't pay attention to those fundamentals, your day on the water will not be as successful. And so it is asking yourself those, those questions of what is working? Why is it working? Where are the fish eating? What's changed in the environment? If like the fish were catching or eating in the morning, but then I don't know, an hour goes by and they stop eating. Okay. What has changed? What are the conditions that have changed? So then Mm. your business, things are working, things are happening. Maybe you hire somebody else stuff kind of falls off the rails. Like now what is happening? What do we need to adjust fine tune? Mm -hmm. And all of this to say these learning expeditions correlate the fly fishing to the the business. And we've taken senior executives out on the river and none of them have come knowing how to fly fish. And so in the morning uh, we get them in waders. I explain how to cast and give them just very basic information of this. This is how you cast. This is how you hook. I'll be around to help you net your fish and go fish. And so they'll go fish with that basic amount of information. And some of them find success. Some don't. You can kind of tell the ones that are asking the questions or being curious about, okay, well, why is this not working? Let me try something else. And it's that trial and error. Um, And then at lunchtime, we talk about it. Like, what was working, mm. wasn't working? What did you kind of figure out for yourself? And then in the afternoon, we take that and we actually correlate it to business uh, leadership principles. Like, how are you leading your team? How do you set your goals? What do what metrics do you use to measure your success? Mm. Um, which is always really interesting. And so then on day two, same thing. We go back out on the water in the morning. This time I give them more information about how to read the water. Where do fish live? Like, what do you look for when you walk up to a river? Mm how do you choose your flies? And so on that day two, they're now armed with obviously their experience from day one. And then um, they're they're armed with more information. They're now out on the water. And usually on day two, everybody finds success and you'll, you'll get the executives like contributing to each other. And we had one, the, the last learning expedition, we did two executives. One of them was having a horrible day on day one. Like, I mean, not horrible in the sense that he wasn't having fun. It was horrible in the sense that he couldn't catch anything. Like, and the guy who was paired with was just catching fish left and right. And so oh, no. <laughs> was successful. And the other one was not. And, and the, the one who was being super successful, even on day one, he would switch positions with uh, on the river and he'd be like, Hey, you come down here and try this spot or, I'm like, I'll move somewhere else. And on that day one, they would switch positions. And like the one executive would start catching fish in the spot that the first executive wasn't uh, having any luck on. I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is, this is horrible. But, um, but it actually came down to reading the water and how that fly was moving. Uh, and the the executive who wasn't catching anything, he wasn't paying attention to how the fly was moving in the water. And he wasn't recognizing the small signals that were turning the fish off. And so that then correlates to leadership. You may be doing something that you don't realize you're doing that could Mm. be turning people off from wanting to work with you or making you an ineffective leader and those things. So it's not only pay attention to all the things that are obvious, but it's also pay attention to the things that are not being said or the environments or experiences and opportunities that you're not being offered. That's a signal as well. And so 
Mm. After that, on day two, that executive who was having a really tough time, once he figured out that the the way the fly moves impacts if the fish is going to eat it or not, as soon as he started paying attention to that, he then started catching fish as well And on, on the right. second day. And so it was just one of those things that the light bulb kind of went off and he's just like, ah, we got we to gotta pay attention to those things. Mm. Not just where in the river does this go? It's how is it moving? How is it floating? How deep is mm. it? Those things. And so in the afternoon, same thing. We then bring it back and we talk about leadership. We set 30, 60, 90 day plans. We talk about how to be an effective leader. If you're a leader of people, um, asking really good questions. Uh, David, my business partner always says, if you want better answers, ask better questions. Mm. So like how to ask better questions and don't ask close-ended questions. And, um, and then it just, and then we wrap up with those 30, 60, 90 plans. And then we also have a community. Uh, it's called the Avenir Forum, where we have a private group. Everybody who's come on a learning expedition gets to then be put into this group. And it's senior executives from all different industries. And they all can come and they can talk about, obviously, their experience fly fishing, which a couple of them <laughs> picked up fly fishing as a, as a hobby, which is awesome. But they also are able to share some of those learnings that they had. And like the, like the 30, 60, 90 day plans that we implement or create at the expedition, we can check in with them and how, how are they implementing it with their team? Like what tips and tricks did they learn at the learning expedition mm. that they've taken back and applied to their teams? And we've even had one set of executives. He came on the first learning expedition. He actually sent two of his senior leaders to the next expedition because he got mm. so much value out of it. He, he wanted to make sure that the lessons he learned was cascaded down a level. So then the broader team could actually have both levels of leadership kind of on the same page. Mm. And so it just, it helps um, disseminate your message and disseminate mm. being a better leader and, and helping others recognize um, ways to improve. Yeah. I mean, I think what's super interesting about sort of this story and certainly from people I've spoken to as well, who've been in senior leadership positions for a really, really long time is it's continual learning and realizing it doesn't matter if you're a CEO of a company and you may have, you know, with two years experience or 30, 40 years experience, actually, you need to continually be investing in yourself, investing in just picking up and sharpening your skills that you just sometimes can kind of take for granted in the day-to-day head down. I've got to get on with work. I've got to get on with stuff. My to-do list is forever long. So I think having that time where you can actually just spend purely on yourself, purely on probably realizing, as you said, some of these things that you don't even necessarily know that you're doing or that you're a oblivious to or you just haven't kind of yet figured out is just so so important and and I was chatting to someone earlier this week for the podcast as well who was going on and on and on about self-reflection so that'll be coming up in the episode after this one goes out but um it made me realize as I listened to this about again about the importance of just reflecting and thinking and and being able to kind of make small tweaks and changes and it, it doesn't you don't have to wait till the first of January and the new year kicks in get started on that like now today yes absolutely well and you make a great point about uh people in time if you've been in a a leadership role for a long time you do get 
complacent sometimes. Mm. And you just, you've been doing this and the business and you've got to keep it running. And, and to your point, the, the laundry list of stuff never ends. And so when do you really have time to focus on you and improving you as the leader? Um, and that's, that's one of the reasons why we love this learning expedition is because we choose places that you don't have great cell service, but it also gets you out of your day to day. And so, I mean, most executives are in urban cities and things like that. Fly fishing, it takes place in the woods in the middle of nowhere. And I, and I tell everyone fish don't live in ugly places. And so mm-hmm. even if the fish aren't catching or, or biting, like you're still out in nature and it's gorgeous. And, mm-hmm. and we do allow, I mean, it's not that we're, we're, taking you into a tech dead zone and completely off the grid, but uh, it allows you to focus. And when you don't have all of those distractions of people pinging you on Slack and the mm. email and the phone calls, you can really focus on you and what you're doing. And it doesn't need to be a lot of time to, to your point, you can make immediate tweaks now. And if it, if it's, I don't know, an hour a day or not a half an hour a day, whatever it is, work in some consistency to your day of, for 30 minutes, I'm going to reflect on X or for 30 minutes, I'm going to read a book that's going to help me do something Mm -hmm. or that I'm interested in, or I'm going to learn about this new topic. And so it's those small things that allow you to grow as a leader. And even if you've been doing your role for 10, 20, 30 years, it really is important to remember your fundamentals because you're leading people. People are watching you from behind Mm -hmm. or below you, or the next generation is coming up, how are you helping them be better? And so if you're not investing in others, you're just spending your time. And that that's really important to make sure that you're spending your time in a meaningful way and helping others is one of those ways that you can do that. And so by being a good example of leadership is one. And if you emulate and show people that it's important to continue to learn, they will yeah. then invest in themselves as well and continue to learn. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Because I definitely feel there's this big curve where at your start of your career, like everyone's all about your development. Everyone's all about investing in you and wanting to help you succeed. And, and you know, pretty much whatever you want to go on, whatever courses and things like people are very like, yes, yes, yes. And I don't know if there's just a twit, a sort of, switch that goes in our head at some point where we're like well we should know all this we shouldn't be asking Mm -hmm. to to be doing self-development we shouldn't be asking to go on a you know an amazing nature experience or whatever it would be I think there's always a feeling like actually I'm supposed to be able to do this and I'm gonna it's a sign of vulnerability to say actually do you know what no I do need to keep learning. Things are continuously changing and and so forth. But with that, I would love to ask you, Jen, about the challenge for the week. I feel like you could give us something really crazy here. So keep keep it within something that we might be attainable at. I don't have a fishing rod in my back now. (laughs) I could probably get a fishing net. Nice. Um, I would actually, I would would go back to creating that consistency. So my challenge for everybody Mm. and the listeners for the week would be to create a time in your calendar and schedule it as if it's a meeting and respect it as if it's a meeting choose one thing in your life and use that time 30 minutes max i'm going to ask for 30 minutes no less than 10 10 to 30 minutes is what i'm looking for in your schedule choose one thing and right. improve it and so maybe that's you 
organize your desk or you read a book, don't make it about work. Like make sure that it's about Mm -hmm. you and your own self growth. And so maybe it's for those 30 minutes, you go out and take a walk, leave your phone at home and you go take a walk. Or for those 30 minutes, you read a book or you just step away and journal or just sit and be at peace with your thoughts. But for 10 to 30 minutes, that's what I'm, I'm asking for is just consistency in your schedule of choose one piece of your life and improve upon it. And uh, one of my friends and mentors, Andy, he, he talks about consistency and it's winning the day. Mm -hmm. And so if you can do that consistently in time, you'll get the compound effects of what it is you've done. So if you read 10 in our challenge that he's challenged us with 10 pages of reading a day and that's, and you would be surprised how quickly you can move through books and what you learn. I love this one with the book because I <laughs> realized was it yesterday, the days are blending into one at the moment, that um, once I get a book I love, I just kind of become a little bit obsessed and I just read it so, so fast. And I, I've realized that I need to slow down and really actually absorb, especially when I do love it, because actually there's probably so much information in there, more than what I'm just kind of taking from it at the surface. So this idea of actually just sticking to maybe 10 or 15 pages would mean that then actually I do have to slow down. I have to read it a little bit easier and probably then should probably come to say summarize or take my key take homes from those few pages would probably actually benefit me dramatically. So that might even be my little challenge that I take from this nice. um, to do it within those 10 to 30 minutes. But well, that's and one of the things that I do when I'm reading, because the limiting the amount of pages that you're doing, one makes it attainable that I can read 10 pages, no big deal. It's not mm-hmm. I'm trying to read this whole book. Um, but limiting the amount that you're doing, one makes it attainable, two allows you to really digest and absorb that information. And I'm as techie as I am, I actually still love physical books. I mean, you can kind of see oh, some yeah. of me, but I love the physicality of books and the feeling of books. Mm. When I'm reading a book that's maybe for self-improvement, like I have a, a highlighter and a pen in like that I read, like it comes yeah. with me wherever I go and read. And so I'll be highlighting things and underlining things. And I use it either as like my own blogging or to dive deeper in research. Like if I'm reading a book, maybe about large language models from a technology perspective, yeah. and I don't know something or they use a term that I'm not familiar with, I'll underline it, highlight it. And then that that's a reminder for me to go and, and research. And so, yeah, focusing that time allows you to really absorb what's being communicated to you and allows that reflection. Oh, looking forward to listening to what your book recommendation is in a minute. Mm-hmm. So how about the song? A song that made an impact in your life. Yeah. So the song that's influenced me, I would have to say it's by Pink. It's called um, Imperfect. And basically it's a reminder that you can still be successful and you still can go after all of these things, but knowing that you still have flaws and that people are still going to love you because you're you. Um, and I'm getting emotional for who knows what reason. But uh, yeah, I'd say that song. She's amazing live. I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to see her, but she is absolutely incredible. I went with like my two best friends from school a couple of years ago. We were supposed to see her as last, no, this year as well, but we had to 
to cancel. But yeah, she's yeah, she, an incredible lady. She is. I mean, she does an amazing show. Her daughter, yeah. when she when her daughter started getting involved with the shows, like her daughter is so cute, and it's incredible the example that she is setting for not only her own kids, but also other, other kids that just fit the mold. And I mean, her music has always really resonated with me, but that song uh, imperfect is is one of the ones that is, I listen to pretty regularly, just especially when I'm like needing the reminder that there may be a lot of stuff going on, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's life and everybody, everybody deals with life. And and then when you put yourself in other people's shoes, it allows you to kind of be grateful for the opportunities that you have. Yeah, 100%. Well, thank you so much for the great song recommendation. We will add that to our Spotify playlist. And just thank you, Jen, for all of your wonderful insights and stories today and for all your road to authenticity about kind of the values, how you've been changing them as you go along. I am definitely keen to figure out how to go fly fishing after the conversation. And I think it's really helped me as well. Just keep a reminder about reflecting on my own journey. And particularly, I think, from that sort of leadership perspective of being able to kind of continuously get just broad and diverse feedback from from different people and just not be afraid to ask questions and and yeah, as you said, like the open questions that kind of create the safe space for, for people to respond. So just thank you so much. I hope everyone listening, you also enjoyed the content today. Don't forget, if you haven't already, you can hit subscribe or follow, share the content as well within your networks. And I really look forward to sharing some more, more stories with you in the next couple of weeks. And as always, remember, authenticity is a continual journey. Small steps can make a big impact. Take care.